I think a um a code. I think it's WTTY, if we can remember it. We barely use that code. Turn it up if you can't hear it, <laughs> because it, it does get low for some reason or other. But if you can't hear, hear my voice, turn it up after the music stops. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope you're getting your shots. Uh, the print, the uh, percentages say that you are. It's going up, but... Uh, they're saying that a half a million Americans have probably got have not probably but have gotten their shots. That's great, and people uh, are still uh, continuing to get those shots, all because we out out here who are vaccinated are begging people to get their shots, and people are seeing people, other people, dying around them, especially in the hospitals. A lot of people go to the hospitals who have not been vaccinated, and they get really, really sick, and they're struggling uh, to live. And some of them are saying, if not all of them, if they can get the shot while they are basically dying. And the doctors will tell them it's too late. You should have gotten it before you got so sick. But a lot of these people are listening or were listening to misinformation, if not just outright lies from the white, from the right, from other Republicans. Because most of the people in the hospitals and the most of the people who are dying are Republicans. And these people are listening to Republicans because Republicans are telling them not to get the vaccine. It's, it's a, and some of them are still telling their flock that it's a hoax. But here's the kicker, folks. Here is the kicker. Majority of the Republicans, and I'm talking about politicians and some of their elk, uh, the majority of these people who are telling people not to get the vaccine, not to put on masks, these people are vaccinated. And And when the camera is not on them, they're wearing masks. So in other words, the people who are telling you not to get vaccinated, they are vaccinated. And if you don't believe me, turn on your computer or your phone and research this. They are, I'm going to have a, a, um, some names for you later on in the show of who is vaccinated and those people who are telling you not to get vaccinated. Stupid ass Rand Paul. For once, he's telling people, don't trust the vaccine, but he's vaccinated. Donald Trump is telling people, do not get vaccinated, and he's vaccinated. DeSantis telling people not to get vaccinated, and these people are vaccinated. And other politicians, GOP politicians, are telling you, do not get vaccinated. How in the hell? And you know what? People are not getting vaccinated because of it. They, they're hearing this shit from Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, who are being sued for their lies. And a lot of people say, I'm not getting a vaccine. My uh, representative told me not to. But what they don't know, your representative has both vaccines, which makes them fully vaccinated, telling you not to get vaccinated. So folks out there, get this shot. 
get the shot. Keep keep getting the shot because we're about to meet Joe Biden's threshold. Uh, I think there's about 170 million people in the United States who have been vaccinated already, or it's going to get to that number if it hasn't already passed it. But that's a lot of people getting vaccinated because we are constantly telling those who are not vaccinated, who refuse to get vaccinated, to get vaccinated. They're seeing people die all around them. Look at the hospitals. They're overwhelmed. And I feel so sorry for the uh, staff, the hospital staff, because they got to go through this shit for a fourth time. Why are they going through this shit for a fourth time? Because people out there are not getting the shots, which can save their lives. The shots are safe, or you will end up spreading them, uh, spreading this, this virus to your families and your friends, because a lot of people still are not wearing masks. They don't believe in it. Then there's people who are wearing masks, and those who once uh, didn't want you to wear a mask, they want you to wear a mask now. But please stop listening. Please stop listening to misinformation, lies on the right, because the majority of the people who are dying, like it or not, are Republicans. And the majority of the people who are dying and getting really sick are those who are unvaccinated. You may have heard this, and if you have, it's really, really true. So we want to tell people on this show, because there's a lot of other people on other shows who are saying some of the same things, and I applaud them for that. Get vaccinated. If, you, if you're not listening to the show now, and whatever you, whenever you might want to listen to it, it will, the message for every show before and beyond on this show, particularly show, the George Wilder Jr. show, is get vaccinated. It will save your life. Uh, yeah, uh, there are people who are fully vaccinated who will, some who still will get the, who will get the, uh, who will get COVID. But from what the scientists say, if you're fully vaccinated and you come down with COVID, you have a big chance of surviving it. You have a big chance of living. But if you get COVID and you you have not been vaccinated, you could get very sick or you could die from it. So it's best to be vaccinated. If we can get everybody vaccinated and we can get everybody wearing masks, possible we will not see a fifth wave of COVID-19 and its variants. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. The latest thing that's going on, folks, is that Cuomo is out as governor of New York. Yeah, he is out. And yeah, I think the guy, I don't know, I'm going to lose listeners. I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose people. But I think, like so many other people think, I think this was a was a hit job on this guy. I do. I don't think he deserved it. I think the reason why he resigned 
or will resign is because the pressure was too much. I mean, if I was, if I or you or me, uh, under those circumstances, under that pressure, we probably would resign too, even if um, the accusations were not, you know, uh, all that plausible. And I'm hearing at some point he's saying that he could have been a little bit more, uh, I don't know if he could have been a little bit more lenient or a little more, a little more, a little more not out there when it came to dealing with women. I don't really think, (laughs) I don't really think that some of these women are, were up on, were up uh, on everything that happened. I really don't. I think a lot of them just won the same and fortune and came out there and lied on him. And the pressure got too great. Even those in his own party was pressuring him to get out. I mean, when you get pressure from your own party and and people are suing you and they're thinking about impeaching you, and I'm thinking maybe that's the reason why he actually resigned, not because of the accusations. He got out because he didn't want to be impeached. You know, so I think he will be free by not being impeached. I think he will be free to run, to run again at some point for for some uh, governmental office in the near future. At least I'm hoping. Because I just think a lot of these sex-starved women were just put up to destroy him. And I think the latest woman that were was saying nasty things about him. There's photographs of her with the governor all up in his arms and she seems really happy to be there. Next thing you know, she's out complaining or or lying or whatever on him. I think, you know, but the pressure was there. I mean, you got Donald Trump. Why is Donald Trump not held accountable for his crimes. Why is Jim Jordan not held accountable for his crimes? Why is Matt Gates not held accountable for his crimes? The Democratic Party is harder on their own members than the Republican Party on their members. I don't really think anybody in the uh, Democratic Party wanted Cromo to actually resign. They say they want him to resign, but in back of their minds, they're saying the guy shouldn't go. But he felt the pressure. And in some cases, I don't blame him for resigning, to get the pressure off of him, to get the people away from him, to stop more lying women from coming forward to say he kissed him or touched him or, or, or I think the guy's a friendly guy. I think he's just a friendly guy whereas where the Republicans were looking for these women that's, that was going to say something bad about him and, and and they did. It's over for Cromo. And from my understanding his replacement is going to be the lieutenant governor of New York, and she's a Democrat. 
But still, she won't. She will not be in that role for long because 2022, you know, New York is going to pick a um, a different governor in 2022, and we're all afraid that after she's gone, after her term is up, it may be a Republican governor to replace her. And if there is a Republican governor that replaces her 2022, there's a possibility of it being a governor that will try to pardon Trump of all of his crimes if he's not indicted by then. And I'm going to say this again. I don't know why it's taking them so long to indict Trump. I don't know why it's taking them so long to put him in prison. His crimes, all of his crimes, and there is a hell of a lot, they're out there. Why isn't this man locked up? Why is he out there to roam free to start another insurrection? When good people like Cromo gets railroaded out of his job because he kissed some woman on the jaw or he touched their arm, it's just not fair. And I know there's going to be some people disagree with me. I really don't care. I think he was railroaded. I think he was lied on. I mean, during his entire span as governor of New York, he runs into a lot of people. He takes pictures with a lot of people. He's a good man. He may have strayed a little bit. Who knows? But he didn't deserve this. And I think most Democrats would probably say that. Now we have to now New York has to in 2022 which is which is not that far away find a democratic candidate who's going to run for that seat after the lieutenant governor is out You do not want a Republican running for that seat in New York You get a Republican running for that seat in New York America could be over because they're going to pardon Trump if he's not indicted and locked up by then. And I can't see for the life of me, why is this man still on the streets? Why is he still making speeches? The Republicans want another insurrection. There's no doubt about it. Rand Paul another insurrection. Did you hear that crazy speech he made? It didn't go over well with a lot of people. I'm pretty sure it didn't go over well with a lot of Republicans either. But he said it. These people need to be out of office. ASAP. So, New York, if you're listening, you cannot have a Republican in that governor's seat next year. 
they will pardon Trump if he is not indicted and on his way to fucking jail. And I say that because he should have been locked up a long time ago. Because Trump is out there reaping havoc. Because he thinks, and his family thinks, Trump thinks that he's invincible, that he's above the law. No matter what he does, he will not be arrested. But I do think shit's come, excuse me, I do think shit is going to come down on him from this day on. And I would like to say to Merrick Garland of the Justice Department, stop dragging your feet and lock this man. Please get him off the fucking streets before he kills someone else. Get this man up off the street. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We will be right back. A federal judge absolutely demolished Donald Trump today, live in a courtroom. It was based on a ruling they made, a sentencing they made on a Donald Trump supporter. But make no mistake, in this ruling, they openly declared that morally and politically and philosophically, Donald Trump is guilty as well. One of the Trump supporters involved on January 6th got sentenced. They ended up getting a six-month sentence. It may not be enough, but it is a decent chunk of time behind bars. But the point is, in their ruling, they made it very clear that no one individual besides the defendant themselves is as responsible for what happened than Donald Trump. And that this person, even though they still have personal responsibility, even though it has to be said that while Trump drove them and incited them, not every Trump supporter listened to Trump, so you still have to make your own bed. Nonetheless, they would not have done what they did without Donald Trump egging them on. And I want to read you a couple excerpts here that show, one, a direct attack on the Trumpian philosophy around democracy, and two, an open statement of why Donald Trump is guilty here of causing this deeply dangerous attack on democracy. It says, from journalist Scott McFarlane, he says, Whoa, D.C. federal judge slams Jan 6 defendant Carl Dresch and Donald Trump in sentencing hearing just now telling Dresch, Your vote doesn't count any more than anyone else's. You don't get to cancel them out. Patriotism means loyalty to country, not to single head of state. And that is crucial because the narrative from Trump and the Republicans and his supporters, the people on the right, whether they say it explicitly or implicitly, is that their votes matter more. The votes of white, wealthy, or at least upper middle class conservatives matter more than the votes of poor people, of marginalized people of young people, of people of color, of people who just for whatever reason don't fit in the traditional camp of the Republican Party. And so whether it's Trump just assuming that cities that happen to vote Democrat are full of fraud or that blue parts of states are the only parts of states that need to be investigated or whether it's some Republicans, like some elected officials saying we need to not just ensure we have a quantity of votes, but a 
quality of vote, what Trump and his supporters said on January 6th, and they've been saying since, is our votes count more than other people's votes, if those people's votes count at all. And that judge saying that is a direct attack on Trump and a rightful one saying, no, that's not how this works. You don't have loyalty to Trump. If you believe in democracy, you have loyalty to your fellow citizens and they matter just as much as you, not more than you, but not less either. And so you need to keep that in mind. And they go on further to specifically implicate Trump here when they say the defendant's promise to take action in the future cannot be dismissed as an unlikely occurrence, given that his singular source of information, quote, Trump's the only big shot I trust right now, continues to propagate the lie that inspired the attack on a near daily basis. They cite the blog here that's gone now, the Trump's failure blog, but it says, and the anger surrounding the false accusation continues to be stoked by multiple media outlets as well as the state and federal party leaders who are intent on censuring those who dare to challenge the former president's versions of events. And so there it is. Donald Trump has been declared guilty by this judge. It's not what we need and deserve yet, which is Trump to be convicted by a judge. But in a courtroom today, a judge said that his thug is guilty of a crime that would have never happened without Trump. Trump caused it. He still has to face the consequences Hopefully he will. Yeah, around. Clap your hands. Come on again. I dig the band.
Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried-out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. Girls' and women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't. All of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way. And he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was a definition of a cunt. I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist, who worships at the altar of Gloria, internalize the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. 
On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob, this vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Teen. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. <laughs> and I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The rain of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. But I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world. And when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women. And for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up. The limbic system gets fired. We lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people Girls, our girls, our boys are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free Internet. We started something called the Speech Project, Curbing Abuse, Expanding Freedom. And that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us. Our natural sexuality is 
I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child and so that tweet brought up that trauma and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech and we disaggregate it and we code it and we give that data so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few. And of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy. And clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents, it's essential. Two. Shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. EDGE, the global standard for gender equality, is the minimum standard in, guess what, Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties, like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen, about how deplorable hashtag Gamergate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen that online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9-11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there. In 2015, 
72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered with up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter, but they couldn't really when they said, what's Twitter? Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, the law could not be applied to a perpetrator because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous, they must have been committed by telephone, in mail, by telegraph. <laughs> the language must be technologically neutral. So apparently, I've got a pretty bold voice. So let's talk about our friends, white men. You have a role to play and a choice to make. You can do something or you can do nothing. We're cool in this room, but when this goes out, everyone will say, oh my God, she's a reverse racist. That quote was said by a white man, Robert Morris, chairperson, Price Waterhouse Cooper. He asked me to include it in my talk. We need to grow support lines and help groups so victims can help each other when their lives and finances have been derailed. We must, as individuals, disrupt gender violence. As it is happening, 92% of young people, 29 and under, witness it. 72% of us have witnessed it. We must have the courage and urgency to practice stopping it as it is unfolding. As to be stopped Freedom. from office. This is what I call oh,
the show has suspended her for one week. This is this is her second violation of Twitter rules saying that the vaccine is failing. It is not failing. This is another person whom I believe is fully vaccinated and telling everybody else not to get the vaccine. This is what I talked about earlier. People, Republicans, the folks, the Republicans, telling their own voters, their own constituency not to get the vaccine. All because maybe they want to embarrass Biden. They want to say that Biden is worse than Trump or is the same as Trump. Because Trump just didn't give a damn about the vaccine. He just didn't give a damn. And at one point, he just threw his hands up and said, fuck it. Wow, I think it's raining outside. (laughs) It feels like it's raining. And uh, they were all saying that the storms were coming tonight. And uh, um, the weather, the heat stopped me from going to a few appointments I had. Uh, I had to postpone them or uh, set them up for another time because of the weather. Anyway, let me get back to what I was talking about. Marjorie Taylor Greene suspended by Twitter. And a lot of us are so happy because all she has done since she's been on Twitter is post hate speech. Lies. Her and her elk have been saying to their constituency, to their voters, don't get vaccine. Don't get the vaccine. It's no good. It's failing. It's not good for you. And their asses went and got it. 
but they don't want you to have it. Uh, I'm hearing she's got one more uh, chance. If she, if she posts another lying, misleading uh, post on Twitter, she will be banned permanently. She's got one more. She's she's on soft landing. She's got one foot in the door. She's got one foot out of the door pertaining to Twitter. Because every time she, just like Trump, every time she um, put up something, post something misleading on Twitter, they flag it and say, hey, this is possibly not true. Just like they used to do Trump. But, tr- but that didn't stop Trump. <laughs> Trump kept, I mean, if you think about it, Trump was really, really, I mean, he was cr- a crazy poster on Twitter. I mean, he posted and wrote anything. I mean, he, a hundred tweets a day. This guy was just nutty on Twitter. And now he is banned. And now Marjorie Taylor Green. His disciple, she's going to be banned if she put up something um, crazy. These Trump supporters, Twitter is their livelihood. Twitter is where they uh, connect with their constituency and their voters. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, just like Lauren Boebert, these people want to be stars. They want to be famous. They're not doing a damn thing for their constituency, their voters. They want to be fucking famous. That's what they're out there for, especially Marjorie Taylor Greene. She wants to get her face in front of a camera, and she does. But every time she gets her face in front of a camera, she says something stupid. She, uh, uh, misinformation just comes flowing out of her mouth among other things. This, that's what it's all about with these three Republican representatives. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates. They're all about getting famous. And they do nothing for their voters. They do nothing for their constituency. It's all about themselves. Marjorie Taylor Greene is all about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Lauren Boebert is all about Lauren Boebert. Matt Gates, we wonder why he isn't in jail or why he hasn't had uh, his committees taken away or kicked out of Congress because there's allegations that he raped a child, a 17-year-old girl. And yet we have uh, Cromo, who probably just kissed somebody on the on the jaw. Now, what's worse, kissing somebody on the jaw or raping a seventeen-year-old child, or telling the world that you grab them by the pussies? What's worse? And then you wonder why these people aren't held accountable. The only thing that's saving Matt Gates' ass, I believe, is Kevin McCartney. He has the power to strip this guy of his committees. He has the power to open up an investigation into what the allegations are to see if they're true. I'm pretty sure he's being sued 
Yeah, so basically uh, she is suspended. And, I, and I'm thinking next is Facebook. It's Facebook. These people want to be famous. That's all it is. These people want to be famous. I don't think – yeah, they're going to be famous, but they're going to be famous for a lot of the uh, wrong things. All right, Daniel Goldman calls for a criminal investigation into Trump. Criminal investigations into Trump <laughs> were called during his presidency. His four years, nothing ever happened. They're calling for a criminal investigation into Trump. Allegations of him trying to overturn the election. Saying for his minions to say it's just corrupt and he'll take care of the rest. I believe it when I see it. When Trump is charged, he's indicted, he's in prison. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm so sick of people saying, well... Maybe. It's possible. Well, we are considering charges. All of these, um, I don't know, adverbs, adjectives, they are not, there's nothing complete there. I mean, uh, Nancy Pelosi is really good at it. Well, we're considering it. Well, we are considering it, you know. She, she, uh, and some of the deal. Uh, I mean, some of the uh, Democrats get on to. Well, it's a possibility that he could be charged. Possibility? Give me a fucking break. Well, we're considering uh, charges against Trump. Considering? Give me a break. There could be charges coming against Trump. What well, could be? Give me a fucking break. All of this means that, to me, when you hear that kind of talk coming from politicians, it means that they're not going to do a damn thing. So a lot of us in America, we're waiting until we hear something concrete that Trump has been indicted. Trump's going to jail. We don't need to hear anything. Well, we're considering it. Well, it could be. Well, we're looking at it. This guy needs to be in a prison jumpsuit. I'm pretty sure that these people are gloating over Cromos, the governor of New York. I'm pretty sure they're gloating over his problems. Might be you might not see it on TV, but behind closed doors, I'm pretty sure they're saying we're gonna have to get that seat in 2022. Cromos gone. We get that seat, we're gonna be able to pardon Trump, our king. Our emperor. So this is why I was saying earlier, now that Cromo is out and the lieutenant governor is in, uh, we have to make sure we keep that seat come uh, 2022 because the midterms. Yeah, okay. The midterms. We have to make sure we keep those, keep, keep that governor's seat. Uh, so we have to vote in another Democrat or independent. I don't care if it's a woman or a man. doesn't bother me because <laughs> women can be – they can be just as difficult as men. I don't find one gender better than the next. I really don't. 
Uh, women can screw up just like men can screw up. But it doesn't matter. We have to keep that seat uh, in 2022 because the Republicans are already trying to rev up candidates to run for that New York seat that's going to be vacant in 2022. Yeah, they're going to try and pardon Trump if he's not indicted or in prison before this happens in 2022. Once Trump is indicted, he cannot run ever again. And I want to say this. If Trump starts another insurrection, which it looks like he could or might or want to, because if he starts another insurrection, a second one, it will be totally the fault of the Department of Justice for not taking him off the fucking street. It would be on Merrick Garland, because he's the head of the Department of Justice. If he does take this man off the streets and he starts another insurrection, Democrats should look at Democrats. I mean, you got – you have the – the Democrats have the House of Representatives, they have the Senate, and they have the White House. What the fuck is keeping them from arresting Donald Trump to make sure he doesn't run again? You've got all the evidence you need, crime after crime after crime, and he's still committing crimes six or seven months after he has lost, and he has lost. And they're still talking about – some Republicans are still talking about Trump being reinstated. <laughs> Trump will never be reinstated unless he goes through uh, all the uh, of all the, of running for president in a normal way, the way other presidents, other candidates run for president. He will not be installed just like that. My pillow guy, you hear that? Trump will not be installed in August, September, November. And a lot of the Republicans aren't there's no Republicans out no Republicans candidates, if I should say, out there uh trying to run for president. Because they don't know what Trump is gonna do. That's stupid. So you don't see a lot of Republicans out here or even a year or two from now, if Trump is not indicted, running for president, because they don't want to stand in Trump's way. Trump is their leader. He's their king. He's their emperor. They bent over backwards to kiss his ass, because that's what they like to do. They just kiss his ass because they just like kissing his ass. And it's and it's nothing no one can say, not even their constituency, not even their their voters. Just get out of their way and let them go kiss Trump's ass. That's it. That's it. I don't understand it. Trump is a nobody. He's a nobody. But these Senate Republicans have given him power. 
they've given him power. Not knowing that he may not be able to use some of that power because he could be indicted. There are lots of lawsuits up Trump's ass. He knows it. There are a lot of lawsuits, and he can't get away from those lawsuits. If he's getting away from the DOJ, he cannot get away from those lawsuits because they have been filed already. He just has to wait until that shit comes up in court where he has to face a judge on that, and that could be years. That could be years. And it's nice to know that a lot of the states around America are challenging those voter suppression bills that these Republicans are passing, are passing. Why are they passing these bills? Because they can't win if they don't do that. Republicans cheat. They they know they can't win if um, they play fair. I mean, just like in 2000, the year 2000. Gore won over Bush. He won. They cheated. They changed some of the votes in Florida from, I'm I'm thinking, from Gore to Bush. So the Republicans have been cheating for a long damn time, and they haven't stopped. They have no issues. They have no policies. They have nothing to offer Americans or America. They just don't want you to vote. It's particular, particularly people of color. And the civil rights groups are pissed. We fought so hard, so hard to be able to vote. Republicans are taking that away. They want to take that away. I mean, how they lie and say that what they're doing in their states is not voter suppression <laughs> make me want to laugh. Because anybody with a tiny bit of a brain know that lying, it is voter suppression. They've got nothing else to offer the American people. They don't want to try to persuade you to persuade you to vote for them. They don't give a damn. What they want is for you not to vote. And even if voter suppression works for them, and still the candidate that, they're, that they want does not win, they have a right to say, my candidate didn't win, but I put them in anyway. Wow, yeah. If, if their candidate does not win they're going to put them in anyway this is what the voter suppression bill is they're trying to take it over but I don't think it's going to work because the justice department has already sued a lot of these states for um, violations civil rights violations voting rights violations And once, I'm thinking, once someone is sued, they can't go forward with voter suppression in these states if they're sued. They have to wait until their court date comes up 
as I've said, uh, it takes years. <laughs> in this case, it might take a few years for the cases to come up, but still and all, it's a good thing that people and civil rights groups and the federal government have filed suits against against these voter suppression, wrongful voter suppression laws that have taken place in a lot of these states. And they're only taking place in red states, in Republican states. All right, you've been listening to George Wilder Jr. on the George Wilder Jr. show. Uh, DeSantis is uh, feeling the heat in Florida. He is a basically Trump 2.0. This guy is Trump 2.0. Good news, though. The judge smacks down Ron DeSantis for trying to ban vaccines. As I was saying before, a lot of these people who don't want you to get the vaccine, they themselves are fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. Ron DeSantis is one of the worst governors uh, in America. He, with Greg Abbott of Texas, these fools think they're going to win this. And I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Um, I I believe Ron DeSantis is up for re-election in 2022. He's going to lose. He is going to lose because he doesn't want the children to wear a mask in school to help to try to save them from getting COVID and dying. He's so against that. He's so against that. Then you have the major school districts in Florida defy DeSantis, which is totally, totally good. They're saying, you don't tell us what the, well, the parents are saying. Well, they, you don't tell us what to do with our kids. We want our kids to be masked in class. That's what's going to happen, and they should be. Because if they're not masked, a lot of those kids are going to end up in the hospital, and a lot of those kids are going to die as they are doing now. This guy is a joke. He should be kicked out of office one of the worst mayors along with him, I mean, worst governors along with him and this Greg Abbott piece of shit. Uh, this is just mind-boggling that we get all these crazy-ass, stupid politicians acting as if they're Lord Almighty. Wow. This is just crazy. And DeSantis threatens to withhold salaries of school officials for defying his mask mandate. So he's threatening, oh, can I say it? He's threatening salaries if they defy. Wow. My, My thinking is let him stop. Let him not pay these school employees. Let him try to do that and there will be more suits, lawsuits up his ass that he will lose. I mean, when you work for your money, when you work 
should be paid. No doubt about it. You should be paid. And this guy wants to withhold salaries of school officials. And the school officials are still denying his mandate of those kids uh, not wearing masks in class. This is going to be interesting to see if he's going to actually not pay pay them. I didn't think he had that power to not pay to not pay these school officials. I didn't think he had that power. Uh, but I do know they have the power to sue to sue these people. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Um, we want everybody to get those shots. I'm going to keep reiterating this throughout the show to get the shots because the shots, the vaccines are going up. People are getting them. People are getting the word out that the vaccines are safe. you got a few assholes out here who are saying that the vaccines are not safe. If you hear somebody saying the vaccines are not safe, do not listen to these people because these people are fully vaccinated, but they don't want you to be vaccinated. And that's the crime here. And this is one of the reasons why Twitter suspends Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she's got she's got one more <laughs> violation and then she will be off there permanently.
the U.S. leads the world in coronavirus cases by a lot. The U.S. is just over 4% of the world's population, yet represents 31% total cases. And the president somehow thinks that's a good thing. Good evening, everyone. It's a hard time, and everyone's feeling it in different ways. And I know a lot of folks are reluctant to tune into a political convention right now or to politics in general. Believe me, I get that. But I am here tonight because I love this country with all my heart. And it pains me to see so many people hurting. I've met so many of you. I've heard your stories. And through you, I have seen this country's promise. And thanks to so many who came before me, thanks to their toil and sweat and blood, I've been able to live that promise myself. That's the story of America. All those folks who sacrificed and overcame so much in their own times because they wanted something more, something better for their kids. There's a lot of beauty in that story. There's a lot of pain in it too. A lot of struggle and injustice and work left to do. And who we choose as our president in this election will determine whether or not we honor that struggle and chip away at that injustice and keep alive the very possibility of finishing that work. I am one of a handful of people living today who have seen firsthand the immense weight and awesome power of the presidency. And let me once again tell you this, the job is hard. It requires clear-headed judgment, a mastery of complex and competing issues, a devotion to facts and history, a moral compass, and an ability to listen, and an abiding belief that each of the 330 million lives in this country has meaning and worth. A president's words have the power to move markets. They can start wars or broker peace. They can summon our better angels or awaken our worst instincts. You simply cannot fake your way through this job. As I've said before, being president doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. Well, a presidential election can reveal who we are, too. And four years ago, too many people chose to believe that their votes didn't matter. Maybe they were fed up. Maybe they thought the outcome wouldn't be close. Maybe the barriers felt too steep, whatever the reason. In the end, those choices sent someone to the Oval Office who lost the national popular vote by nearly 3 million votes. In one of the states that determined the outcome, the winning margin averaged out to just two votes per precinct. Two votes. And we've all been living with the consequences. When my husband left office with Joe Biden at his side, we had a record-breaking stretch of job creation. We secured the right to health care for 20 million people. We 
we were respected around the world, rallying our allies to confront climate change. And our leaders had worked hand in hand with scientists to help prevent an Ebola outbreak from becoming a global pandemic. Four years later, the state of this nation is very different. More than 150,000 people have died and our economy is in shambles because of a virus that this president downplayed for too long. It has left millions of Donald people jobless. Too many have lost their health care. Too many are struggling to take care of basic necessities like food and rent. Too many communities have been left in the lurch to grapple with whether and how to open our schools safely. Internationally, we've turned our back, not just on agreements forged by my husband, but on alliances championed by presidents like Reagan and Eisenhower. And here at home, as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered, stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. Empathy, that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. The ability to walk in someone else's shoes. The recognition that someone else's experience has value too. Most of us practice this without a second thought. If we see someone suffering or struggling, we don't stand in judgment. We reach out because there but for the grace of God go I. It is not a hard concept to grasp. It's what we teach our children. Unlike so many of you, Barack and I have tried our best to instill in our girls a strong moral foundation to carry forward the values that our parents and grandparents poured into us. But right now, kids in this country are seeing what happens when we stop requiring empathy of one another. They're looking around wondering if we've been lying to them this whole time about who we are and what we truly value. They see people shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask to keep us all safe. They see people calling the police on folks minding their own business just because of the color of their skin. They see an entitlement that says only certain people belong here, that greed is good and winning is everything, because as long as you come out on top, it doesn't matter what happens to everyone else. And they see what happens when that lack of empathy is ginned up into outright disdain. They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages and pepper spray and rubber bullets are used on peaceful protesters for a photo op. 
sadly, this is the America that is on display for the next generation. A nation that's underperforming not simply on matters of policy, but on matters of character. And that's not just disappointing, it's downright infuriating. Because I know the goodness and the grace that is out there in households and neighborhoods all across this nation. And I know that regardless of our race, age, religion, or politics, when we close out the noise and the fear and truly open our hearts, we know that what's going on in this country is just not right. This is not who we want to be. So what do we do now? What's our strategy? Over the past four years, a lot of people have asked me, when others are going so low, does going high still really work? My answer, going high is the only thing that works. Because when we go low, when we use those same tactics of degrading and dehumanizing others, we just become part of the ugly noise that's drowning out everything else. We degrade ourselves. We degrade the very causes for which we fight. But let's be clear. Going high does not mean putting on a smile and saying nice things when confronted by viciousness and cruelty. Going high means taking the harder path. It means scraping and clawing our way to that mountaintop. Going high means standing fierce against hatred while remembering that we are one nation under God. And if we want to survive, we've got to find a way to live together and work together across our differences. And going high means unlocking the shackles of lies and mistrust with the only thing that can truly set us free, the cold hard truth. So let me be as honest and clear as I possibly can. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. Now, I understand that my message won't be heard by some people. We live in a nation that is deeply divided, and I am a black woman speaking at the Democratic Convention. But enough of you know me by now. You know that I tell you exactly what I'm feeling. You know I hate politics. But you also know that I care about this nation. You know how much I care about all of our children. So if you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. Because it does. I know Joe. He is a profoundly decent man guided by faith. 
He was a terrific vice president. He knows what it takes to rescue an economy, beat back a pandemic, and lead our country. And he listens. He will tell the truth and trust science. He will make smart plans and manage a good team. And he will govern as someone who's lived a life that the rest of us can recognize. When he was a kid, Joe's father lost his job. When he was a young senator, Joe lost his wife and his baby daughter. And when he was vice president, he lost his beloved son. So Joe knows the anguish of sitting at a table with an empty chair, which is why he gives his time so freely to grieving parents. Joe knows what it's like to struggle, which is why he gives his personal phone number to kids overcoming a stutter of their own. His life is a testament to getting back up, and he is going to channel that same grit and passion to pick us all up, to help us heal and guide us forward. Now, Joe is not perfect, and he'd be the first to tell you that. But there is no perfect candidate, no perfect president, and his ability to learn and grow, we find in that the kind of humility and maturity that so many of us yearn for right now. Because Joe Biden has served this nation his entire life without ever losing sight of who he is. But more than that, He has never lost sight of who we are, all of us. Joe Biden wants all of our kids to go to a good school, see a doctor when they're sick, live on a healthy planet. And he's got plans to make all of that happen. Joe Biden wants all of our kids, no matter what they look like, to be able to walk out the door without worrying about being harassed or arrested or killed. He wants all of our kids to be able to go to a movie or a math class without being afraid of getting shot. He wants all our kids to grow up with leaders who won't just serve themselves and their wealthy peers, but will provide a safety net for people facing hard times. And if we want a chance to pursue any of these goals, any of these most basic requirements for a functioning society, we have to vote for Joe Biden in numbers that cannot be ignored. Because right now, folks who know they cannot win fair and square at the ballot box are doing everything they can to stop us from voting. They're closing down polling places in minority neighborhoods. They're purging voter rolls. They're sending people out to intimidate voters, and they're lying about the security of our ballots. These tactics are not new. But this is not the time to withhold our votes in protests or play games with candidates who have no chance of winning. We have got to vote like we did in 2008 and 2012. We've got to show up with the same level of passion and hope for Joe Biden. We've got to vote early, in person if we can. We've got to request our mail-in ballots right now, tonight, and send them back immediately and follow up to make sure they're received and then make sure our friends and families do the same. 
We have got to grab our comfortable shoes, put on our masks, pack a brown bag, dinner, and maybe breakfast too. Because we've got to be willing to stand in line all night if we have to. Look, we have already sacrificed so much this year. So many of you are already going that extra mile. Even when you're exhausted, you're mustering up unimaginable courage to put on those scrubs and give our loved ones a fighting chance. Even when you're anxious, you're delivering those packages, stocking those shelves, and doing all that essential work so that all of us can keep moving forward. Even when it all feels so overwhelming, working parents are somehow piecing it all together without child care. Teachers are getting creative so that our kids can still learn and grow. Our young people are desperately fighting to pursue their dreams. And when the horrors of systemic racism shook our country and our consciences, millions of Americans of every age, every background rose up to march for each other, crying out for justice. Hey, everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. You are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
well, he doesn't defy the judge, but he's trying to, he asked the judge to not let the Treasury Department send his taxes over to Congress. Yeah. Asked the Treasury Treasury Department to block his taxes from going to Congress. And I'm hearing he can't do that. That's not going to happen because it's in some provision somewhere, um, maybe in the Constitution or in the bylaws, that he cannot this time block his taxes from being shown or given to Congress. My thing is, we've been after his taxes for so long, even while he was in office. And I'm sorry, and I'm starting not to care about his taxes. Of course, he's a millionaire. He's a billionaire. He's gotten that way by grifting. He's gotten that way by suckering his suckers, his supporters. They're sending him their last dime, reaching down in their pocket and sending him their last penny. He's getting rich, and they're getting broker, poorer, but they still send this clown their money. And I'm hearing that some people are suing him to get the money back because he's not using the money for what they thought he would be using it on, like fighting the Democrats. Trump is putting this money in his pocket. Why? Because of all the lawsuits <laughs> that's up his ass, he has to pay his lawyers. He has to pay court fees. He has to pay all of this. And a lot of times he just wasted his money because he lost. He lost those court cases. And he probably, and I'm thinking, and I'm betting he probably going to lose this. I remember last year that Maxine Waters, Maxine Waters told the world that she was going to, once um, they won the midterms back in 2018, that she was going to get Trump's taxes. She never got Trump taxes, but she was stating that she was going to get Trump taxes, that she was going to get him. And we're still waiting three years, what is it, three, four years, and we're still waiting on Trump's taxes. And I don't see why the Congress hasn't gotten his taxes already. And I know the Treasury Department, IRS, will send them taxes over to Congress immediately defying Trump, and he's out there <laughs> paying his lawyers to stop that from happening, and it's not going to work. I don't know if we will ever see Trump's taxes because the Justice Department and Congress, these people just drag their feet, and when they drag their feet, they drag their feet for years, not months, nowhere near days or weeks. They drag their feet for years. And still you may not see the um, see his taxes because of the slowness and the irresponsibility, I'm, I'm going to say this, of, Democrat, of Democrats. Trump should have been charged and indicted with or without us seeing his taxes. I mean, if it was any one of us with so much shit over our as Trump, we would have been indicted and thrown in prison. What is it that the Democrats in the Department of Justice don't see that we don't see? 
I think a lot of the people in the Justice Department, including Merrick Garland, know that Trump has broken uh, laws against America. I don't know why they won't charge this guy. Why won't they put him in prison? Well, what, what about indicting him? Proof comes out every single fucking day that this guy was trying to uh, overthrow so he can stay in power even after he lost. I, I just don't know what it is. Why can't this guy – because if you leave Trump out on the streets, if you leave him out on the streets and and not indicting him when you should have, and he starts another insurrection, this is going to be on Democrats. You had the evidence. You had the proof. You know he's a crook and a criminal. It started back way be- – <laughs> it started way before he was president. But this is America. You get him for being a traitor. You get him for being a liar. You get him for trying to overthrow the government. You get him for the insurrection on January 6th. There's so much evidence to to um, indict this guy. You leave him out there on the streets. Every time he opens his mouth, it's an incitement of an insurrection. This is why he's banned on Twitter forever, because Twitter knows if he gets back on their platform, he's going to do nothing but incite and lie. You let Trump give these rallies around the country, he's going to incite and lie, cook them up into a riot. A lot of the people who are, a lot of the insurrectionists who are going to court, who have been caught in jail and they go to court, what do they do? They blame Trump for sending them there on January 6th. They blame him. Yet they go to jail, but the hitman stays free to do some more hitting. A lot of them, they're correct. This was Trump. Trump sent them. Trump orchestrated this. He wanted to see people dead. He wanted to see Nancy Pelosi dead. He wanted to see Mike Pence dead. Anything to stay in power. And yet this man is still fucking free. I don't understand it. I I just don't understand it. A lot of us out here who know the same thing and even more about his crimes, wondering why is he out here where he can start a second insurrection. You get some of his goons out here trying to incite another riot at the Capitol or somewhere else within the United States. That's exactly what he's doing. He's not giving those rallies because he want to run for uh, president in 2024. He's giving those rallies because he's mad, he's pissed off, 
He's pissed at his enemies. He's and his enemies could be. I think. I think most of his enemies are Republic, Republicans themselves. Trump doesn't give a damn about any Republican. If he does, it's what he can do for him, not what he can do for them. Because I'm hearing that um, reading Rudy Giuliani is begging Trump for money. Rudy Giuliani has to pay his own legal fees. And, and Trump, actually Trump owes him money. But we know Trump doesn't pay his debts. He's leaving Giuliani out to die, out to dry, maybe even out to die, because I think Trump is a, a, a natural-born killer. And no way should this guy be walking free among us. By, the, by my next show, he may be indicted. I have no I, I, I don't have a clue. I have I don't have a clue, but I do know to leave Trump up here in the streets in America without being indicted, without being arrested, it's gonna be on Democrats because what he's doing is inciting another riot on America. Trump hates America. He always has hated America. He was no president. And like Michelle Obama has said and other people have said Trump, when he was president, he was way over his head. He didn't know what the hell he was doing, but he enjoyed having the power. He enjoyed having the power. The Democrats will not take him off the streets, even though they got all the power. They have all the power in the world to arrest him. But they won't do it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We are just about off the air. <laughs> and it's been fun, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you tell everybody about the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, we've been on for a long time. Uh, been on for about six years, I think. We have, There was a two-year gap in between there, I believe. Um, but... Um, it's great to be back, and I hope you, you know, get people to listen. We're going to do more books. I have to uh, do more. People are going to be talking about their work on my show um, because I've had over 1,000 people, 1,000 people live on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, we're going to uh, sign off now. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in tomorrow or, or whenever uh, and listen to the show and tell me what you think of it. Okay? Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Make sure you listen tomorrow. Bye-bye.
from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 